As we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians, we come tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 27. The Apostle Paul writes, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. And to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're continuing our uh, our journey in Corinthians. And uh, we're looking at what follows on from this morning's tricky passage um, to another um, that's got some slightly odd bits, but not quite as tricky as this morning's. Um, but there's basically two sections to this. Um, in my Bible, the first section is called, um, is kind of titled, Paul's Use of His Freedom. And uh, I, I like that title. I thought that was, that was really good. So Paul uses his freedom to, to bear with people, to, to identify with people, and, and to, um, to, be, to use his liberty to, to bring the gospel to people, and I, I really like that bit. Um, the second section was called The Need for Self-Discipline. Um, I, I didn't really like that title quite so much, um, and I would retitle that um, There's a Prize to be Had, which is much more positive, I thought. You know, um, The Need for Self-Discipline does sound um, a bit grim, to be honest, um, but the actual motivation in that is there is a prize to be had, and this is worth doing because this is a great prize. Um, so, and therefore, the self-discipline would come following on from the motivation that there is a prize. Um, but looking at the first section, Paul's use of his freedom, and we, uh, we see those phrases, and then you kind of, it depends what translation you've got, because um, this is the all things to all people passage, isn't it? where that phrase has come from and entered, entered our language. And poor old Paul, I think, has been so misinterpreted over the years because 
the phrase to be all things to all people is generally used in a kind of negative context, isn't it? Um, I would say, actually, um, the most common use, perhaps, of that was to describe a politician. You know, they're trying to pitch it to everybody. They're trying to, they're trying to put the message to everybody. And that isn't really, um, that isn't really what perhaps Paul meant um, in, in this passage. But it, it's kind of translation through translation and through um, how that, you know, the King James translation and how that passed into language. We've ended up with this idea of, of kind of cynically somehow changing the message so that it fits with people. And I don't think that is what we're talking about tonight. I don't think that is what Paul intended in this, in Corinthians. But there is something um, interesting in that. Because there is a thing in politics called median voter syndrome. Any, any political scientists here? Oh, I'm pretty safe then. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a thing called median voter syndrome. Now, this is most exemplified by Tony Blair. Tony Blair was a, essentially a left-wing politician who pitched his message to the centre. Now, that's really quite clever because he's not pitching his message to the people who are already going to vote for him. He pitched his message to the people who aren't going to vote for him. And that is actually quite clever. They're the people he needs to get in. They're the people he needs to influence, and did influence, um, to, to get voted in. And is that cynical? Well, actually, I don't think so. I mean, that actually was where he stood politically. And I think there is something in that. So maybe we shouldn't be quite so down on the politicians. Because as we preach the gospel, and as we tell people about Jesus, we do need to appeal to them. There is no doubt that we need to appeal to people. We can't just say, well, there's the message, and there it is. And if you don't like it, tough. Okay? The message is the message. The truth is the truth. But in order to do what Paul is recommending here, to bear with people, we are just subtle, not cynical, but subtle with the message we bring. And uh, because I've got a wonderful house group and not because I've been really, really busy lately, um, uh, I uh, asked my house group to help me out with this, with this preach. I said, let's study this passage because I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a number of months, actually, since we had the away day. Um, but um, we read this passage through, and there were some brilliant, brilliant things came through. And, and the, the, the real um, credit where it's due, Pauline Norris gave me this absolute corker of a description of what it is to, to kind of bear with people, what it is to be a Jew to the Jews, uh, you know, and, and all, all of those different things which Paul puts in there. She said, it's a bit like being a mother, isn't it? And we went, what? <laughs> I don't quite see it. She said, yeah. She said, when you're a mother, sometimes you need to be like a nurse. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you need to be like a teacher. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Sometimes you need to be kind of disciplinarian. Sometimes you need to be incredibly loving. And to, to be all things to all people, this negative phrase that we've had, actually, we do that, don't we? We do pitch it right in the right situations. I know this, we all know this, because we do act differently in different situations. And I think what Paul is saying is, 
actually that's okay. That's okay because we are doing it for the sake of the gospel. We're doing it because we love Jesus and because our message of hope in the gospel is what people need to hear. So thank you, Pauline, for that one. She's not here, but she gets her preaching credit of some sort um, because that was just really, really good. We already differentiate the way, uh, the way we pitch our message, the way we speak to people. But why would we do that? Why are we so interested in the gospel? Why are we so interested in people? Well, one reason is because we've been commissioned, haven't we? Jesus was quite clear to the disciples and to us that it is our job to tell people his message, to be Jesus, to preach Jesus to them. And commission, or uh, you know, the, the, the idea of being commissioned, or perhaps on a mission, um, is very familiar to me. Um, <clears throat> recently, uh, I worked for the Fire and Rescue Service in Surrey, and uh, a few years ago, about five or six years ago, we had a new assistant chief officer start, and he'd come from the military. So uh, everything was about mission command, um, and it was a bit of a kind of management buzzword, but there was good stuff in it, um, in that we had to know that what our mission was. And fortunately, in the Fire and Rescue Service, uh, we're one of the few organisations that does actually know what its mission is, um, which is to save lives. So anything that fits with saving lives, we're into it. Okay, so we'll save lives in fire, but if putting a smoke detector up saves someone's life, that fits with the mission, and that's great. And we are commissioned, we have a mission as a church. Our mission is to preach the gospel. Our mission is to tell people about Jesus. And there's this idea of what I call missionality. Now, I've nicked that from the church, and I keep talking about that at work, um, it's got me through many an interview so far. Um, and it, but it's a good, good thought. We need to be missional in what we're doing. That's the first thing, that, that's the first reason that we need to um, be, be subtle and have just a bit of thought about how we present ourselves, how we welcome people, how we speak to people for the sake of the gospel. So we've been commissioned, but also we're excited about Jesus. If you're excited about something, don't you tell people? Don't you say, look, at this has happened. I've told lots of people that Claire's in Trinidad this week because it's really exciting. She got phoned up two weeks ago saying, do you want a job in Trinidad? Which she said, yes, pretty much no problem there. Uh, you know, can we, can we work out the logistics and the childcare? Yeah, it'll be fine, go, because it's exciting. Everyone likes something that's exciting and we'll tell people about it. And we are excited about Jesus. So the, the, the idea that we want to speak about Jesus should be just bubbling up from us. Um, we need to maintain that excitement. But what else? What else? Why are we preaching the gospel? Well, one thing that Jesus did himself and has in common with this whole idea with, from Paul about being with people in the stuff that they are dealing with. Isn't that what Jesus did? I really love the bit at the beginning of John where it says Jesus pitched his tent. I like that ex expression to, uh, to, um, to talk about the incarnation. Jesus pitched his tent where we are. He came and he put it, he put, you know, banged the pegs in and said, I'm going to stay here where you are. That's what Paul is calling us to do. 
to be like Jesus, to be with people in the stuff that they're doing, to be where they are. So perhaps you could kind of indulge this idea that I've got, um, because I think that if we were coming to Horsham, and, and you know, we could say, welcome to your um, BMS Horsham, um, uh, what are they called, in, in, not indoctrination, I'm looking for the word, um, I can't remember it. Anyway, welcome, welcome to the orientation, this is it, this is the word I was looking for, for, uh, for your BMS Horsham mission. Right, we're going to be living in Horsham, among these Horsham people. I know they're a bit weird, but, you know, we're going to get used to them. What are we going to do to establish our credibility with these people in Horsham? How are we going to live so that the people of Horsham will listen to the message we've got? You know, all those kind of missions, those historical missions, a lot of them, you know, it was kind of get dropped off in a sailing ship on some little island, um, and... These people faithfully, many of them, spent years kind of living and dying and starving in these countries and these places because they needed to establish a kind of credibility with people. They needed to show that they were with people in the stuff they were dealing with. They needed to live like the people they were preaching to. And we need to do that in Horsham because sometimes the church is a little subculture, a nice little comfortable club where, where we're, we're off in our little huddle, we've got our own friends, they're all like-minded, um, we see them all on a Sunday morning, um, and uh, those others, uh, we try and steer clear of them. But we need to be the people who bear with and live with and in the community we're in, because that gives us the opportunity, the opportunity to speak a word at the right time. You know, the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God, a word that comes from God can get into people. You can see it. You can see it when it impacts people. And sometimes you may have to wait years to just fire that word in at the right time. But it can be seen, and the power of that word is awesome. Because going back to the beginning of John, You know, it is the Word made flesh. That's what it can be. God's Word coming from us and making an impact into people. So that's the why. That's the why of preaching the Gospel. The why of bearing with people, living with people, being with people in their their thoughts and in in their sort of discussions and in their lives. You know, I spent a little bit of time being a Methodist um, and I picked up a few good things from the Methodists. Um, one of them that Wesley was quite keen on was a thing that he called the four alls. Um, and uh, this, is, this is kind of, uh, bizarrely, um, when, when you Google four alls, because you can't remember them and you're about to preach on them, um, and, and kind of somewhat ironically, it's become a, a popular pub name in some places. So I think that was a kind of, kind of slightly ironic uh, Mickey take on the Methodists, who were kind of very temperance. But um, the four alls, and these, these are them, all may be saved, all may know they are saved, sorry, all need to be saved, all may know they are saved, and all may be saved to the uttermost. And that was the kind of uh, the part of the philosophy that drove the Methodist movement, which was massive, a massive part of the evangelical awakening. Really good stuff and really passionate about the gospel. Passionate that all may be saved. 
passionate that if we tell people, if we only speak to people, if we only wait and find that moment when we've got the correspondence and the trust to speak into people's lives, that these people will be saved. The gospel will change people and does change people. So what would it take for us to establish our credibility in Horsham? Let's, let's, let's not be negative. We have some credibility already. Um, but to, to build up our credibility in Horsham. What would, what would this church, what would the church look like if we are really, really applying this idea about getting the gospel to where people are? Now, a number of years ago, I went to a church in Banbury. Um, we were on holiday uh, and um, we had a, a group of friends and we always go to kind of whatever church is in whatever town we happen to have met. We're all from, uh, Claire's met mates from university, so we're all from different towns um, and we tend to end up, you know, wherever there's a deal on a little cottage somewhere. Um, so this particular year we're in Banbury uh, and we went to a church that said, oh, this looks like an interesting church. Um, it was called the People's Church in Banbury. Um, it turned out to be a Baptist church, so you wouldn't... Um, there was nothing to say it was a Baptist church, but um, we, we went and we had a, a really interesting service. We were made very, very welcome. And um, we, sat, we sat next to an older lady who um, very much reminded me of Jenny Jackson. She, was, she had that sort of style about her. And, um, and she said, uh, towards the end, she said, uh, it's really nice you've come. And uh, we said, thank you. What, what did you think of the songs, she said. I said, oh, we, we really like them. And she said, oh, that's, that's, that's really, really good. Um, I don't like them really. Oh, oh, okay. But she said, we had a discussion with our church and we've decided that Banbury, and they've done the demographics and they worked out, Banbury is a very young town. There was a lot of young people moving to the town. So the people in the church said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to pitch the style of our church to attract a younger congregation. So that's what they did. And they did it completely. Um, they just thought about it, decided that was the plan, and did it. And to be honest, it worked really, really well. Um, and it was just so genuine because she was really chuffed that we were all there. Because it had kind of made it, kind of made it worthwhile. And she said, yeah, well, you know, they're okay. Um, not really my style, but that's all right. Um, but she'd been, she just, she just applied this passage just brilliantly. They just pitched it. They just saw the need and made it happen. A very, very impressive church. Um, so what do we need? I mean, um, Ray's been a, a star with the, uh, with the welcoming stuff and a few others. Um, we, need to, we need to make people comfortable in the right places, don't we? We need to make comfortable and welcome. But we also need to make people uncomfortable in the right places, if that makes sense. You know... Um, I've been to churches where, where it's like, well, oh, don't say that, that'll upset people. Um, well, we don't need, we really want to be that sort of church. What we want to be is a church where people are very, very welcome, and there's a few visitors tonight, which is great. Hello. Um, where people are really felt, really welcomed in. However, we don't want people to, um, when, they're, when God speaks to them, for them to be able to kind of ignore it and, and go away and not do anything about it. That's where we want to be uncomfortable, isn't it? If God speaks to us and says us to do something, whoever we are, we want, we want to listen to that. We don't want to be so comfortable 
that we can just ignore that and drift along. But we want to be comfortable, we want to be welcome, we want to be drawn in. And uh, we're really making some, some progress on that front here, and it's really good to see. Um, this uh, Paul Hassel brought, brought me this in our house group. He said, we need to be, or, or the way we are as a church, needs to not put up the barriers. You know, we're talking about getting a message of hope into people. And, and this is kind of what, what I kind of worked that up into. We need to be a church where there's no barrier or obstacle in our, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our perceptions to the gospel of Jesus reaching the ears and hearts of any person who comes here, or any person. Because it's not about coming here necessarily, is it? We've got so many other things. We need to not put up the barriers. Do you know what I mean? There are things that just get up people's noses. Um, and some of them are the culture of church and the way we do things. Well, for me, um, we could change that. It's just habit, a lot of it. It's just the way we do things. We could change the way we do things. The lot in Banbury did a lovely job on that. They just said, oh, well, we'll change that. It's not that important. Um, we can change that. But there's a real um, problem that when you put up a barrier, when you, when, you, when you put that barrier in the way, and so much it is um, the little things. You know, um, I, I can't believe that churches are still talking about how people dress, but they really are. You know, I, I've been criticised myself, don't mention which church, um, uh, because I wasn't smart enough when I was preaching. Um, I'm sorry, I hope my appearance is okay. I put my warmest jumper on because in case it was going to be cold. Um, still, you know, if people... There are churches that kind of really dress up and sometimes it's a barrier to people. Um, sometimes it's a barrier to people that you don't dress up, so you can't win. Um, <laughs> but the thought, the, the comfort, the love needs to be behind that. So, you know, if you're a dressing up church and someone comes in looking a bit scruffy, you can't look down your nose at them. You know, you've got to say, oh, well, you, you, we're the church, so we need to be the ones apologising, saying, sorry, we've dressed up too much. We, you know, next week we'll, we'll dress down. I don't know how you do it, but um, we need to really watch out for these ideas and these barriers. Um, it was uh, William Temple, an archbishop, said, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. Um, and that is, that is what we're about here, isn't it? And, and I was thinking from this morning's, um, this morning's preaching, there is a kind of, um, to my mind, there is a kind of hierarchy of who's important in, in church. Um, uh, Jesus is number one. That's, that's, we can establish that. But um, for me, uh, definitely, number two is the lost, the ones who aren't saved. And then, but then now we get into the interesting bit. There's always a little bit of breakdown in, later, in the later stages of these kind of lists. Um, to my mind, the people who are next most important are the young Christians or the young people because they're most vulnerable, aren't they? Do you know who's at the bottom? Who's kind of lowest? Church leaders, obviously. Um, and um, those of us who've been around for ages. Because to be honest, we could wear it. It doesn't really matter. We're secure in our faith. And we need to be the ones who don't feel entitled to make it happen our way. We need to be the ones who prefer the needs of others. 
And I was talking with Dave uh, this morning, and, um, and this kind of really came out of this morning's service, was all of this stuff is really about preferring others. It's really about giving up our rights, giving up our thoughts about how things are done, about the, how, the way we want things to be done, and looking for others, looking to prefer their needs, looking to put our rights and our thoughts lower, and to build up others. To, um, to establish that would make all this stuff easy. Because, you know, loving people and bringing the gospel, gospel to people is our passion, is what we're here for. And the stuff of how we've got used to being and our comfort um, and, and our, our, even our kind of well-being, um, that's all pretty low on the list. Um, you know, and we should be, almost be competing downwards for who, how much we can prefer others. Um, just a few little bits. I just made a load of notes this morning. I wasn't texting, Tim. Somebody said I was texting. I think it was Paul Hassel again. So I wasn't. I was making some notes on my phone. It's a few things that came out of this morning's service which really um, kind of nailed this last bit of, of what I wanted to say. Um, this is all about voluntarily relinquishing our rights for the sake of the gospel. The proper use of freedom submitting ourselves to one another and our freedom curtailed for the sake of other people. And uh, from the songs this morning, from what Raj was saying, you know, we bow down and confess you are Lord in this place. This is about Jesus. This is about him being in the number one position. This is about him being worshipped and blessed and honoured in this place. And this is about us being, submitting, giving it up, and being as welcoming, as loving, as bearing with, as we possibly can be. So my challenge for tonight, and there always is a challenge, um, and uh, I'm very pleased that I, I guess it's definitely my job, um, uh, and uh, Clive Reid, has, has told me that, so, uh, you know, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, I've known him for, for forever, because um, he's exactly the same generation as my dad, so, uh, so and he said, uh, he said, I really challenged you a, a couple of years ago, and I was like, I'll take that, so uh, I'm going to continue, because the challenge for the moment is about the mission, is how can we find a thing where our actions have the, the needs of the mission in them? What can we do as individuals to find the context and the credibility to speak to people about the gospel? What things can we do to attract people, to befriend people? And this is individual stuff. I think we can do that. We, there's so many things going on. There's so many things that can be can be joined, can be taken part in, to get the gospel to people. Because people will not necessarily walk through the door here on a Sunday evening. You can't rely on that, oh, well, they know where we are. That's, that's not good enough. We need to find the things that we can do to meet with people. What, what projects have we got? 
we have, you know, we have projects. This is we're an organised setup. Um, we've got the big summer. The big summer will come around again. Now, who's got an idea for something that will draw people in? You know that we need the ideas, but those ideas need to be missional. We need to have the mission in mind first, and then find the idea. And the ideas bring people here. And we found that if we bring people here, then we can get them in the position where God's word comes out of somebody's mouth and goes in their ears. Um, and that can be not just this preaching stuff, uh, though I'm very happy to be doing that, but sometimes can also be the words of a friend or the love and, and acceptance of somebody here. And what missional community can we be part of? What can we do to build community? What things can we do where people will come? What can we do that will attract people in? I've got a few ideas. I always have. Um, but what I want to see is the ideas coming. And Dave and Tim, I'm sure, uh, will happily discuss any ideas. And you know what? We'll probably say, that's a great idea. Why don't you do it? Um, the, the, idea, the, the, the thought that if someone comes and we'll say, oh, that won't work because, I think that's very unlikely. Um, because if your mission and your heart is in preaching the gospel, if your mission and heart is in sharing Jesus with people, then these things will work because of him. It's, you've, you've been spoken to by him. Your ideas and your thoughts are inspired by Jesus. And there are tremendous, tremendous opportunities to, uh, to get the gospel out around here and, uh, and in our lives, our, our non-church life, which perhaps we shouldn't have because isn't it all your life?